I'm blessed. I'm very blessed, I must say. I'm blessed in the realm of genetics. See, one of my sons, he's a, a foodie, and the other one's a techie. One son's a techie, the other one's a foodie. That means when one's fixing my computer, the other one's in the kitchen cooking me dinner, and maybe eating a little bit of it too, because the only thing that, you know, foodie is, is better at than cooking is eating. And he has such good taste because he's a foodie. And that's what I call him. I call him foodie. And I call my techie son techie. I don't even know their real names no more. You'd have to check their birth certificates because I don't know. If I want to get real formal, I call him uh, techie son, a.k.a. son techie. Or I call him foodie son, a.k.a. son foodie. Son techie. It's also the name of my favorite uh, teppan table. And it's a good choice, too, as my foodie son says. He says it's the best one in the county, best teppin' table in the county, son techie. It just happens to be what I call my son formally as well. But they're good kids, you know, unlike their father who just lives here. He just lives here. I don't know what to say. He, he just lives here, but I don't know where these kids get it from because they didn't get it from me and they certainly didn't get it from him. But they got these skills, you know, they got these skills. Uh, and you, you know, the thing is too, I tell the difference between them because they're twins. I must say they're twins. They look exactly alike, but there's some little differences and they've worked out in their favor, you know, cause when something is provided to you, something is sometimes taken away, but you got to think about what's been provided to you. You got to have that sense of gratitude. And, uh, my son Techie. He was born without no, uh, without no sense of smell and no sense of taste. But it don't matter, because he's so good at computers, it's like God gave him something else. God said, you don't need to, to taste nothing, you don't, you don't need to smell nothing. You're going to be so good at computers, you're not going to care. You're not going to care. And, uh, you know, my son Foodie, it's, uh, you know, sort of the same, same idea, where he wasn't born with, he was born with no eyesight, and he was born with no hearing. So uh, he can't take no orders, you know. You can't tell him what you want to cook, but it doesn't matter because he'll just cook you something good anyway. And it don't matter. He, does, he don't need eyesight. He don't need ears to cook a good meal, to taste a good meal, because he can smell and he can taste. Uh, but they look exactly alike. The only difference is, the only way that you can tell the difference between my son's techie and foodie is uh, techie segs his pants... And Foodie wears them uh, up high, high water pants, as they call them. The only difference between them, Techie segs his pants, Foodie wears them like he's waiting for a flood. We joke around the house, he can't hear us, but we say, what are you doing, waiting for a flood? You're waiting for the kitchen to flood in those, those high water pants? And if he could, this is the narrator speaking now, if you couldn't tell, the editor's note... This is the editor's note, the narrator and the editor. Uh, but if, if someone were to ask Foodie, you know, why do you wear your pants so high? You waiting for a flood? He could say, as a matter of fact, yes. In fact, I expect many floods. And in the, the apocalypse to come, in the apocalypse to come, I, I await an endless series of floods. 
And if by wearing my pants just ever so slightly higher, I can avoid that subtle creep of, of water, you know, when the, when the bottoms of your pants like get soaked in a puddle and it just slowly creeps up your leg and it feels disgusting like nothing else. If I can avoid that, if I can avoid that feeling just a little bit longer, even if my demise is inevitable in the all-consuming flood of the end of the world, if wearing my pants just a little bit higher, you know, if it slows down that process, that subtle creep of the water coming up my leg, then I'm happy. But it's a good thing Sun Foodie was not uh, born with the ability to speak nor hear. Because nobody needs to hear that. Nobody needs to hear that apocalypse, you know. I'm getting my computer fixed, and I'm getting my uh, my dinner fixed, too. You're fixing my dinner while my other son, Techie, uh, with his sagging pants, is fixing my computer. I'm getting things fixed. Uh, but I kind of wear my pants high water these days. I started wearing a belt in the last couple of years, and I think that contributes... But I don't mind it. You know, it is what it is. You know, I was never a, a big sagger. That was a thing that my... That was something that was new to my generation, the idea of sagging your pants. And when I was in junior high and a little bit in high school, a lot of people were doing the sag. They were they were very saggy. You know, if people who are good with computers or techies and people who have fine taste in dining or foodies, then someone who sags their pants is certainly a saggy but there was a difference between the, the sort of saggy you were. Because there were people who... Because it was the age of baggy pants. And that just... It's great that that rhymes with saggy. Baggy and saggy. They went hand in hand. They paralleled each other. But baggy pants didn't necessarily have to be sagged. It's one of those things where if you sagged your pants, you were definitely wearing baggy pants. You know, there was no sag without some bag. But if you were wearing baggy pants, you weren't necessarily sagging them. And uh, some people, though, didn't try to sag. They just happened to have baggy pants, and they, there was a natural sag. And, you know, now we live in, in the age of the incel, the involuntary celibate. Well, that was the age of the insag, the involuntary sag. And some kids were doing the involuntary sag. They weren't trying to sag, but they didn't have a belt and they had baggy pants. So what's going to happen is your pants are going to continually fall down. So those kids were the insags. But there were also the kids who did wear a belt or did deliberately sag. They voluntarily sagged. And we would call them the Von Saggies. A little bit of revisionism here. We didn't use these terms then, although we felt them. Back then, we didn't use this terminology, but, you know, I, I think a little revisionism is necessary every once in a while uh, when it comes to, you know, a good sociological discussion, a good historical discussion. Some revisionism is ine inevitable. Some revisionism is involuntary. Uh, <laughs> so we had the insegs, and then we had the von, the, the valsegis. You either an inseg or a valsegi. And valsegi, it sounds like a good Germanic tribe of old. The valsegis. That was when the val the valsegis came. 
But there were those who deliberately sagged. And, you know, there were all those people back then, older people, who thought it was ridiculous. And it was. It's a really a ridiculous look. And I had it on the brain because I was walking the other day behind some kids who had just gotten out of high school. Uh, I was walking behind some kids who just got out. Uh, and one of them was sagging his pants. And I couldn't tell whether he was an inseg or a valsegi. Because he was, he didn't have a belt on, which makes me think he was an inseg, especially with the world today being what it is, and sagging is less popular. But it, it did seem kind of deliberate. So there are some people who you can't really tell. Maybe they couldn't afford a belt, but they did want to sag. But, you know, it, it's hard to tell. Not everybody, you know, fits into one category or another. Not everybody, you know, is either a, a sagger or, a, you know, not, not everybody, or, you know, for that matter, or a high water person you know it's some people see the world purely in those terms they think everybody either is wearing their pants high water or they're wear or they're sagging them there's no in between what are you why don't you pick a side you fucking fence sitter what are you a fence sitter you either gonna sag your pants or wear them high water there's no in between there's no just regular fit oh you think there's a regular fit uh in fact i do Let's go talk to St. Ignatius about this. Let's tap into some, you know, Ignatian thought, some Ignatian spirituality. Let's go talk to Gautama Buddha about his middle path, and we'll find that there is a middle way to wear pants. You don't have to sag them, nor wear them high water. You can wear them in between. You can wear your pants like a normal person. Not everybody's a high water. Not everybody has to be an inseg. Not everybody has to be a valsegi. There's such a thing as a normal cut of pants and wearing them like a normal, normal person without pulling them up too high or letting them sag too low. And don't, don't let nobody insult your intelligence if you just have decided to wear your pants like a normal person. Like a normal person. You don't got to be a saggy. You don't got to be anything. A saggy. But yeah, sagging your pants is ridiculous, I have to say. It was a generational thing, and I never really tried to do it. I think I tried to go for maybe just like a subtle sag. I was one of those subtle subtle saggers where just enough to kind of feel like, a, you know, like I was part of my generation, but not too much. I didn't want my pants hanging down too low. But high water wasn't an option at the time. High water was not an option. In those days, we didn't expect floods. You know, when I was growing up, nobody expected a flood. Um, but uh, I do remember, though, I, I did sag them enough for the bottoms of my pants to get kind of tattered after a while and absorb a lot of rain puddle water, enough to feel miserable. And I don't miss that. I don't miss that. I'd much rather be where I'm at now with a, a nice tight belt, my pants pulled up like they are. I mean, I think I look like a fucking dork, and I'm not hip. I don't wear them up high in a hip way. It's just kind of worked out this way where I don't really know how else to wear them. I don't know how else to wear them. And so, I don't know, does that make me a... Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the in-sag equivalent to high-water pants, and I can't... Not, you know, sag is just one of those words. Sag, saggy, sagger, it, it, uh, Bob Sager. It kind of goes well with anything. You can make up a lot of scientific uh, terminology. You can come up with a lot of... You can come up with a whole new lexicon based around the word sag, whereas high-water doesn't lend itself as well. I guess you could just go with flood. 
I'm an in-flood. <laughs> I'm an in-flood, you know. My pants have just ended up, you know, high up for their own natural reasons. I, I can't really control it, even though I can. I just haven't quite figured it out. I just haven't quite figured it out. I'm not a techie. I'm not a techie when it comes to belts and pants. Because that is technology, you know. I come from a long line of techies. My, my grandfather was the first one in the family who learned how to use a phone, a rotary phone. And that made him a techie. All the family members would ask him, how do I use this rotary phone? This rotary. Uh, but sagging pants are interesting because... You know, they are ridiculous. They are, it is an absurd, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it, was there any precedent for that? Was there any fashion trend prior? I mean, bell bottoms are ridiculous. I was never a fan of bell bottoms. And they took, they had a little resurgence in the 90s and early 2000s. Some girls had, had some pants kind of like that. They kind of, they were called flares, I believe, because we, we can't call them what, what, we can't use that name that everybody else used. In flares, involuntary flares, in bells. There we go. It rhymes with incels. Involuntary bell bottoms. I've had that feeling before where I've had pants that I don't know if that's a boot cut. I don't know what that is, but it's like you have pants and they're not designed to be bell bottoms or flares or flares, but they do kind of, you feel like they kind of flare out a little more than they should down around your ankle and you feel like an idiot. You feel you can't wear those pants anymore. You feel like an idiot. And that would be an involuntary bell bottom or an involuntary flare, an in-bell. I'm an in-bell, involuntarily bell-bottomed. If your parents dress you, you know, you're screwed. If they throw bell bottoms or if your parents make you sag your pants. You know some parents do that to their kids. Like, you'll see kids with, like, the hippest haircut. Like, when, when every guy a few years ago had that fucking sides of his head shaved and his hair, like, slicked back or put up in some pseudo-pompadour, that haircut that every fucking guy got for a while, you saw parents doing that to their kids. And, like, you know, some parents must have made their kids sag, so... That, that would make you rethink the whole belt thing, because they might have, like, put a belt on their kid... And sagged their pants and, you know, done that whole thing with a belt. But the kids still didn't have any control because they were being dressed by their parents. So even though they had a belt controlling the sag, they were still an insag. Look at that little insag. Um, sounds like a horrible insult, too. Which I guess it kind of is. I think anything with in in front of it these days. In, involuntary. Anything with some kind of prefix of in is... In, inherently insulting. Inherently is an insult now. Can't even say inherently. Involuntary, involuntarily heritable. That's what happens though when you're a techie or a foodie. You, you've inherited these these magical skills, and your parents are going to put them to good use. You know, it used to be where your your parents want you to be just big and strong enough to work the fields of their farm. Now they just they want you to be a, a computer freak. You know, if you can get him away from the Minecraft for long enough, he'll work wonders on your computer. If you can just get him away from Minecraft, he'll fix your computer right up real nice. You know, in our house, we have a little joke. We don't, we don't call it Minecraft. We call it Meecraft. Because all he thinks about is himself and Minecraft. He just sits there. It's like, he doesn't think about anybody in the family. He's, it's just me and Meecraft. He's playing his Meecraft. Uh, 
But st- I, wanna, I still want to talk more about pants sagging. Because, yeah, like, I even felt the pressure to do it a little bit. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to sag my pants enough as a 14-year-old to just just get away with it enough without getting any comments from older people. I was really, I was trying to find the middle way. I was trying to find the middle path even then. I was trying to find, you know, some sort of, you know, compromise, I guess, you know, between the regular fit and the sag fit. A sag fit. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to get comments from older people. I wanted to sag them enough to be accepted by my peers who were, I guess, staring at my ass. All my peers are staring at my ass. You know, because that's kind of what it ended up happening. It was a weird thing where, because girls, I think, I guess, liked it. I mean, guys do very little, especially as teenagers, uh, that's not seeking some sort of, you know, approval of their peers, in particular girls at that age. So, like, I guess the sagging was some sort of, you know, evolutionary signifier to girls that it's like, I'm a man. I'm a man, and I sag my pants. Hey, girls, you like a guy who wears his pants down low like this? But it it resulted in everybody looking at everybody's asses more than they probably naturally would. Because it's hard not to notice when someone was just sagging their pants horribly low. And I guess the the fortunate part about that is you weren't necessarily, like, sometimes you would see their boxers or whatever, but uh, you... uh, you wouldn't, uh, when, when someone was sagging their pants, like incredibly low, it would just create like this fake flat ass below their ass. So you'd be looking at that. So it wouldn't make you gay. It wasn't going to make you gay. Cause you're not even looking at an ass behind those jeans. You're looking at like air. There would just be air and like this flatness behind the back pockets. But you just, you kind of had to just look cause you were like, damn, that guy's like wearing his pants down to his fucking knees. It was, it was an oddity. But guys wouldn't have been doing that if they weren't trying to, like, first appear cool to their peers, their, the other boys, and second, to, you know, attract women. And, you know, and women during that era, that was when the whole thong thing was going on, which I loved. I still love that. That's, like, one of my fetishes. It's always been, like, the thong sticking out of the back of the pants. It was just so... Uh, it was so over the top. And, you know, you'd go to the computer lab and see that, and you'd just, it'd be, it'd make your day. It would make my day. Uh, the whole like thong sticking out of the pants. Like I, I loved that. I still love it. Uh, even though I'm a, a weird asexual alien these days, like that's actually one thing that I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of. I wouldn't mind seeing more of that. But it was kind of the girl version of a sag. Uh, girls would wear those pants without any back pockets, which I never appreciated really. It just there was always something a little weird about that. I like back pockets. What can I say? Uh, but there was always something weird about like jeans that didn't have back pockets. The girls were doing the thong thing, the thong thing. And it was all the rage. It was all the rage. And so that was kind of the girl equivalent. And uh, I don't know. It was, I, mean, I could say a lot. I could do an episode about that. I could do an episode about thongs. Uh, <laughs> I really could. I wish I was joking. Um, maybe I will someday. But this is about sagging. This is about sagging, which, you know, the, the thong thing, it wasn't even necessarily like a sag thing because girls got the low cut. Their pants were flaring and they were like the low cut. So it was, there was just a, if you sat down at all and weren't wearing a baggy shirt, you know, you'd show off your underwear. And it was always like, like whenever it was going on, not whenever, but it, people would point it out to each other, be like, look it over there. Look at Chelsea. 
in front of the in front of she's look she's typing into Microsoft Word and a thong sticking out of her pants in the computer lab, which you know high school girls aside, which I'm I've never been attracted to like younger girls, like you know it's just not my thing. But uh, but just you know objectively speaking, in any in any scenario, uh, the uh, the idea of like a girl typing into Microsoft Word with her thong sticking out of her pants is pretty much it for me. That's pretty much what I like. <laughs> you know, again, I wish I, I wish that this was a joke. I wish that I was joking. But enough about I don't want to be a pervert. I don't want to be lecherous. This show isn't about me being lecherous. So let's let this go. Let's go back to the world of insegs and valsegis. You know, that fantasy world. Because, uh, you know, I think the way that I tried to seg my pants, it was just enough to get acceptance from my peers. Like, just be cool enough. But to not get comments from older people like, uh, what's the matter, you can't afford a belt? What's the matter, you can't afford a belt? You know, I didn't want to get comments like that. I didn't want to call it, have attention called to me. Because old people just couldn't wrap their brains around this new trend. Older people just, they hated sagging. It really was political. It was generational, but it almost had this political sort of connotation. And I guess part of that is the fact that it did come from rap. It did come from, I mean, my age group was the first group that was like, that just completely threw rock and roll out the window and was just like, we listen to rap and nothing but rap. You want to ride in my car? We're going to listen to loud rap with a loud war drum bass. To let everybody know that the young men are in the neighborhood. Can't go driving without letting everybody know the young men are driving through this neighborhood with their loud war drum bass. That was my generation. We were the first ones who like, yeah, like my sister's age group, which was like seven years older or so. I remember some of her friends got into rap and stereos and that kind of thing. But they were still kind of the exception because the grunge thing was still going on. There was still a lot more of that. But it was I, I think it was my age group that was just kind of like, we're into rap, and that's what we're in. We're into rap, and that's what we're into. The school dances, that's all it was. All the hip shit. So it's no wonder that sagging became the thing. And it did draw these sort of almost political lines. And politics are that ridiculous to me at this point, like where it's like, you're either a high water or you're uh, a sagger. You're either one or the other. You can't be in between. You can't wear your pants in a regular fit. You can't wear them the way they're meant to be worn. Or else you're a fence sitter. You're the enemy. If you wear your pants like a normal person, you're on the side of the high waters. If you wear your pants like a normal person, you're on the side of the sagger. Of the insag. Of the valsegis. Because you're not on my side, you're on the side of the valsegis, Mr. Regular Fit. Oh, look at this guy. He can't pick a side. He's got regular fit jeans. That's how it feels. That's how politics, all these social issues, that's how they feel these days. People trying to make you decide what kind of pants you you prefer and, like, vocalize it. You heard of virtue signaling. Well, this is, you know, pa- the, the fit of your pants signaling. It, it does feel that way, though. But I, I accept sagging pants. As ridiculous as, as sagging pants are, I accept them with a certain group of people. Like, I think Wiggers pulled it off really well. You know, the Wiggers uh, of my generation, I felt like 
they were meant to sag their pants, and it looked ridiculous, but it looked right. Because something can be ridiculous. It can look ridiculous and also look right. So in that way, I, I'm completely accepting of wiggers who sag their pants. Then or now. I mean, if you're still a wigger in 2019, like I've talked about that on here before, like when you see like a 35-year-old wigger pushing a stroller in some unhappy marriage, but there's something kind of like pleasing about it, something kind of delightful about it, even though it's kind of like you just get like the essence of miserable poverty, you know, uh, from them, you know, like, because uh, you know that guy, he doesn't have a great job or he's not, he's not pulling much weight if he's still dressed like a wigger at age 38 in 2019. But I do love that that was something that some people never let go of. And I'm just treading on territory I've already talked about. But the point being, you know, I think that sagging worked for those guys. As ridiculous as their look was, like wearing your hat cocked, not backwards, not completely to the side, but that look where it was just tilted to the side a little bit, uh, and sagging your pants and wearing a baggy shirt, whatever, you know, that it's a ridiculous look. I mean, it's clownish, but at the same time, it, it fits if they were doing something. I mean, I think there's a reason that caught on why it was so popular. There was some like weird internal logic. And if you were a wigger, it works. But what I don't like is when people who weren't a wigger or weren't like a gangster or weren't, you know, into rap or, or not like, you know, part of some like urban thing, you know, when they did it, because I've seen some horrible examples. I remember when I, I, was, I went to a few hardcore shows when I was like 15 before I realized that that wasn't the kind of music for me. Some hardcore and punk type shows. And you'd see people sagging their pants there with their white, white belts. Like they were trying to, you know, those are the people that, that I would be like, what are you, a fence sitter? You know, and it reminds me of something my friend Miles was talking to me about recently where he was like, you know, He's like, I hate how all these people have to have a rap side. Like, how all these people have a secret rap side. And it's so true. Like, it's one thing to like some rap music. It's one thing to like rap. This has nothing to do with just being a music fan and listening to some rap. But there's a lot of people who are, like, part of these other subcultures and, you know, just part of these different things who, like, tap into this, like, rap side. And it's like, it's some sort of way to get girls, or if it's a girl doing it, it's some, I don't know what it is. It's it's an excuse to dance, because girl, all girls love to dance. So, it, I don't know, but it's this weird, like, signifier. It's like, everyone has a secret rap side. And I, I remember seeing that at, like, hardcore shows, and even fucking, like, metal shows later on. Like, there'd be a guy, like, sagging his pants. And I can actually think of, like, the most egregious example was a guy in a band who I, I didn't know the guy, uh, but I, I knew guys from the band, a metal band. And he, he wore a bullet belt and chain mail and sagged his pants, though, he, like with that. Like he, he was like, he sagged his pants while wearing a bullet belt. And it, I almost appreciate that. I think I do appreciate that. I, I might be talking shit, but like I can almost appreciate just how egregious that is. Uh, sagging your pants with a bullet belt. But, you know, you, you have to reject it, too. You have to reject it in principle, even if you secretly appreciate that level of cultural defilement. You know, you can kind of appreciate it. <laughs> but it's fucking ridiculous, you know? So you would see examples like that, and, yeah, people have these secret rap sides. Because that guy, no doubt that guy had a rap side. Why would he be sagging with a bullet belt if he didn't go home and, like, 
you know, put on Three Six Mafia. That's probably the best example of things that someone could listen to. If someone goes home and listens to Three Six Mafia, whatever. I don't, I don't have taste in rap at this point, but I don't know. There's a lot of other shit that the people like suddenly know all the lyrics to because that's that's what people will surprise you you'll be like hanging out with somebody who has a secret rap side and then like some song comes on that's relatively modern and they know all the lyrics or something and they you know they start dancing and it's a weird phenomenon man those secret rap sides um but uh yeah no there's there there's a, it's a thing you know it's a thing that people do they're seek oh I I didn't expect that I didn't expect that from you it's, it's people's ways of challenging expectations maybe you think you know all about me well I got a secret rap side I listen to nothing but rap at home and memorize the lyrics I memorize the lyrics memorize the words and speaking of words and you know uh, you know earlier I was talking about foodies and techies and we all have a pretty firm understanding of you know what a foodie and a techie is but I introduced you to the idea of a saggy someone who sags their pants and and does so all the time who's really into that they could be called a saggy but we really need to start doing this with more things and maybe they do and it's just it's really fucking annoying so I don't hear about it enough maybe it gets shut maybe it gets nipped in the bud uh, but, you know, there could be someone who's a wordy. He's a wordy. I'd consider myself something of a wordy. I like words. And uh, that doesn't mean I pronounce them right. It doesn't mean I have good taste in words. Because that's kind of what happens with foodies. Is you hear that someone's a foodie. Like, there are some people who are self-professed foodies. And then you find out that they have just terrible taste in food. They They consider themselves a foodie, but it's like they... Go to Olive Garden, basically. I mean, that's an exaggerated example. I'm trying to think of a better one. But you just find out that their favorite restaurant is just really shitty. And I have no taste in food, you know. I eat very healthy these days, and that's basically my only standard, is is it healthy? Uh, But, you know, the standard for judging, like, food is weird as well. Because when you call someone a foodie, or someone calls themselves a foodie, it's basically saying... Oh, this person, uh, you know, food to them is more than mere survival. It's more than mere sustenance. This is not a person whose taste in food is is dependent on the mere, uh, the struggle to survive. They have a, a finely developed taste. And they look down upon your taste because they know where the best hamburger is. Oh, you think the best hamburger is at, uh, at Johnny's? You should go over to Phil's across the street if you want a real hamburger. Oh, you think this town has, has great hamburgers, huh? You think this town has great hamburgers? You should go three states away to a little town called uh, Sagville, to Saggyville. They got a real hamburger there. Everybody there sags their pants. They sag their pants because because uh, the hamburgers are so good. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is that kind of thing where when someone's a foodie, it's basically, a lot of times it is self-professed, but, uh, sometimes other people will describe other folks that way, but it's basically like, this person thinks of food as something more than mere sustenance, and they have a finely developed, highly subjective taste in it. They're like a food critic without a newspaper column, except now they do have a column, because they got social media, they're on the world stage. They let everybody know what a foodie they are. 
but I'm a wordy. I like words, except I don't have a great taste in it. It's like it's like I was saying, like the foodie who actually has shitty taste in everything. They just think they're a foodie. They've just convinced themselves they're a foodie because they like know where there's a hamburger that isn't McDonald's. They know how to get a hamburger that isn't McDonald's, so they're a foodie. I'm the same way with words. I don't know how to pronounce them right. I, I don't even know half the definitions of the words I use. Uh, but I still consider myself a wordy. I'm a wordy. What else am I? What else am I? What other identity can I attach to myself? Maybe I should start sagging my pants again. Let everybody know I have a rap side. I have a rap side. I'm a foodie. I'm deaf, blind, dumb. I'm a wordy, but I have no eyesight. I have no hearing. I have no mouth. I have no ability to speak, smell. I have no senses, but I like words. It's like a, we're once again back to the, like, if a tree falls in the forest sort of idea, where it's like, if a person has no eyes, ears, mouth, nose, if they don't got nothing, can they still understand what a word is? That's the real question. Do they know what a word, do they have, still have words in their brain? Do they still come up with words for, for something? Like if someone's never introduced to anybody else's words, do they still develop words on their own? Because isn't that what happened originally? I mean, when there were no words for anything, somebody had to come up with a, a word for it and somebody else had to basically vote on it, you know? Because you, you know there were multiple people uh, who had words for the same thing, even within the same tribe, even within the same group of people, you know, two different people like saw a river and had a different word for it. And, uh, you know, I, I did an episode about this. I think I did an episode about everything. I've done an episode about everything. Uh, but this has come up before. I always need to remind myself of that because, you know, I, it's hard for me to remember, you know, as a guy with no eyes, no ears, no nose, no mouth, just an just an Adam's apple. It's, mo it's moving all the time. As someone who's just got an Adam's apple, uh, you know, I, I got to remind myself of, th of things like this. Got to keep tabs. But two people came up with a name for a river, and then like the rest of the village, the rest of the tribe had to vote on it. Like we like his word more. He's more popular. He segs his pants. That makes him, uh, you know, that means he's got better genetics. That means he gets laid more. Let's go with the let's go with the word for river. The the guy who gets laid more came up with. Let's use that as our standard, because he sags his pants. We know he gets laid more. Dude, do you, do you even get laid, dude? Uh, we should go with that guy though. Let's go with him. He knows he knows river. He's the better choice. He's the better choice. And that's what started the sagging and high water feud, the political feud between sagging and high water. It all started with a dispute over what word to use for the word river. And the guy who segs his pants came up with one, and the guy who wears high waters came up with another. But everybody went with the guy who came up with sa the, the sagger's words, the, the, uh, the Val Saggy. Everyone went with the Val Saggy's word for river because they were like, that guy gets laid more. We got to go with him. Because if we go with the other guy's word, we're not going to get laid. We got to go with the guy's word who gets laid more. Otherwise, we're not going to get laid. And we got to sag our pants, too. Meanwhile, the guy with the high water pants knows a lot more about rivers. He probably spends a lot more time walking through that river because he's got his pants pulled up high and he doesn't want him to get wet on the bottom. I mean, that would be my argument for going with his word. 
But he doesn't get laid, so, you know, fuck him. Not literally. He wishes. What's the matter? Don't got a belt? What's the matter? You an inseg? Valsegi? One of them high water, uh, you know, one of them high water guys who just comes up with his own words for things and walks around in rivers, not getting laid. Which, which one are you? Which one's a foodie? Which one sees food as something more than mere sustenance? Which one can fix your computer? We all got duties in this village and we feel like you're not really doing much. We feel like you're not really doing much to keep this village going, you know? We got the techie over here. We got the foodie over here. We got the saggies over here. Uh, you're, not, you're not doing much in this village. You're not doing much. What are you doing in your village? That's a good question. What are you doing in your village? You sagging your pants? Uh, you got your uh, you got your low cut pants with your thongs sticking out the back. Is that what you should, what you're doing for your village? Just showing your village your ass, typing into Microsoft words. <laughs> That's how you become a wordy. Is the only uh, prerequisite for being a wordy is whether you own Microsoft Word or not. That's how you know you're a wordy. Is if, you, if you type words into Microsoft Word, don't matter what they are. What are you doing for your village? You're creating words? You vote? Did you vote? I voted. I voted for the the word for river that we should use. I voted. I vetoed. I vetoed. What are you doing for your village? Are you voting? Are you wearing the right kind of pants? Are you, uh, are, are you offering your skills as a techie, a foodie, as an inseg or a valsegi? Are you doing the right thing? You know, are you blessed in your genetics? Are you going to produce offspring that bring those skills to the table? It takes a village, you know. But it, it doesn't just take a village to raise a techie. It doesn't just take a village to raise a foodie. That techie or that foodie, they've got to do something in return. They've got to do something in return. You know, this village didn't raise your kid for you so that your kid could just sit around doing Oxycontin. Because I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed to have a son that's a techie and a son that's a foodie. Because they could be sitting around doing Oxycontin. They could be sitting around, you know, uh, playing around with their college loans. But they're the the fixing my computer. They they're cooking me food. They're cooking me foods. They're sitting in, you know. They got a cousin, and he's a wordy. It just it must run in the family. It must run in the family because we got a cousin. He's a wordy. He says he sits in front of Microsoft Word just typing. We're very we're very blessed. We're we're a blessed family. So we're doing something for this village. We're doing something for this village. What are you doing for this village? I'm sagging my pants. And, uh, you know, some days, that's the thing, though. Some days you sag your pants. Some days you wear them high water. Some days you're expecting a flood. Other days you're just trying to get laid. You know, that's you should be able to do that. Some days you just want to wear your regular fit. And it depends on your mood. Some days you wake up and you decide, you know, you don't lay your pants out the night before. Some days you wake up and you go through your drawer and then you go, oh, I forgot I had these pants. I forgot I had these pants. 
and that's kind of the approach you should take. Uh, just wake up and look in your pants drawer and go from there. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children 